Ladies and gentlemen, we are back after a three-week absence because COVID, but COVID couldn't kill us. And you know what? We're going to start off the show hot. We got Blackjack McDowell, former Major League Baseball player. He's coming on the show now. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with Mr. Brown and West Virginia Biggie. West, you dropped the Canadian moniker. Oh, no. It's been three weeks and we haven't done a show because Mr. Brown had COVID and now you're going to change your nickname. COVID changed my voice. COVID changed your mm-hmm. voice. I am, I am upset about this. I'm just letting you know. Well, good news is I can't smell your Canadian funk anymore. No, it does not smell like uh, <laughs> Royal Canadian funk. <laughs> All right, so guys, we're, we're excited to talk to you, but before we get into all the banter that we like to do, we have a special guest that's coming on the show right now. We had Blackjack McDowell, Mr. Brown. We had a conversation with him. He is, uh, give me his resume. He, he's not just a guy that played in the majors. What is he? I mean, he's three-time All-Star. Three-time nine, All-Star. 93 Cy Young Award winner. What a Cy Young. That's right. And uh, is- uh, AL wins leader in 93. He is, and uh, he tells us about why he pitched eight complete games when he was with the Yankees. Yeah, that was probably the funnest part of the interview for me was the fact that he was a 15-game winner, eight complete games, and a strike-shortened season in the 94. Yeah, and he might be a little bitter about how he might be viewed for those things. That's right. He should be, though. I'll give him that. Anyway, Blackjack was fun to talk to. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward. Hopefully, we get to go meet him because he's coaching in the Appalachian minor league-type system. And uh, he'll be coming, hopefully, to West Virginia sometime this summer. So we're coaching the Sock Puppets. The Sock Puppets. Isn't that a great name? When he comes to West Virginia this summer, we're going to find a mound and a plate, and we're going to have Mr. Brown see if you can take him out to right field. Mr. Brown just needs to be able to see if he can throw him a We Don't Know Sports t-shirt while he's in the third base box. Well, we can do that. We can do that. But I would like to take some BP from Blackjack right now. He's Uh, 55 now. He can't have that much heat left. He's 55. (laughs) Either way. Somebody needs to tear his lat. Oh, no. We don't want to talk about torn lats. He's (laughs) going to talk about all that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is our interview with the one and only Jack McDowell, Mr. Black Jack McDowell, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, we are finally back. COVID has not killed us. We survived. You okay, Mr. Brown? Barely, but I'm here. <laughs> we're, we're back and we have a guest with us this evening. And you know what? We, we love, you know, dipping our toes in the water for Major League Baseball. We've had some great guests before, but really excited to talk to this gentleman because he's got a little bit of hardware with his name. He, he played in the majors back in the 90s and really had a stamp on it. And, and you know what? Probably one of the best nicknames of all time. I mean, it's simple, but it's beautiful, right? That's right. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Black Jack McDowell to the show. Jack, how you doing, brother? Doing all right. What's going on? And we're just living the dream here in West by God, Virginia. So where, where are you at right now? Where are you living? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. All right. North Kakalaki. About eight years now. Okay. So let's just jump right into it, man. So everybody, I think that they listen to our show. They're pretty good sports fans. They know baseball. They're, they're familiar with you. So let, let's try to maybe go into some things they haven't heard before. And I know I didn't know this until today. You're are you a Stanford man? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I went to Stanford and graduated out of there because because uh, I, I worked hard when I was there. And when I was drafted <laughs> my junior year, I was a quarter ahead, 
And so the next two, the next off season, I went back and knocked out a quarter and then the next off season, knocked out another quarter and got it, got it. See that, that already kind of elevates him a little bit because it's one thing to say you went to Stanford, but he just, he just put the stamp on the graduation here. So that, that says a lot right there. I, you know, we went to like state schools, so we can't say much. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, they're, they're kind of all the same. Stanford sounds good, but I mean, take a look at what's going on at Harvard. Now Harvard's supposed to be a great thing, but they're just putting out scary people now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They are. I think Stanford might too. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to uh, begrudge your alma mater or anything, but uh, so, so let, let's jump into, uh, you know, going from Stanford to the majors. So tell us a little bit about like the call up, you know, making it to the show. Where, what was it like going from Stanford into the show? Like, what was that process for you? The interesting part is when I was drafted, we were in the college world series at the time. And so, you know, I was drafted. We didn't really do the negotiations or any of that until that was all done. School was all done. And then I didn't know whether I was going to sign or not. You know, if you go back and look at the date, I didn't, August 1st was the date that if you didn't sign before August 1st, you had to go back and that would be, you know, you'd go back to school, finish. I look at it all the time and wonder, you know, because I really wanted to potentially go back because I knew that I'd be on that USA team that ended up winning the gold medal. So I kind of didn't get a gold medal because I didn't go back. Actually, won national championship again in what would have been my senior year. We won it my junior year, but then they wanted Mike Messina's freshman year. He came in. And so, you know, I look at that and I go, that's two things that. I gave away to jump into the big leagues with the White Sox. And I don't know. That's one of those where you go, hmm, I wonder. wonder what if, if I made the right decision. And then I always like during our career how much easier it would have been to pitch in the National League than it was in the American League back then. And, you know, all those things. You add up all those things. You go, I don't know. But it was, it was cool. And, I mean, I got to go to the big leagues and – pitch there right away and just do what we did. I, I hear you. And obviously the National League's got the pitcher going out there hitting. So that's going to help your ERA and those types of things. But looking at your stats, man, all-star 91, 92, 93. You were ready. Cy Young in 93, AL wins leader in 93. So, I mean, yeah, you faced the AL. Man, you kind of went out there and kicked its ass there, you know, in the early 90s. So, you know. What can you say? It might have been the right decision. We're, we're, <laughs> I understand hindsight's twenty twenty, but like, let's say it worked out. Yeah, I all went okay. You know, like I didn't go to a place where I had to sit in the minor leagues for five years before I got called up. You know, I went to an organization that was not the greatest at the time, and sometimes that's the way to go. You know, we got in a situation where they're building a team. It took a few years to get up there to get playoff ready. And that's kind of what we ended up doing. How many years, how many years did you wear that white Sox hat? It was six total minus the like 30 something days that I fell short of my free agency because of the lockout in 94. So 94 was my supposed free agent year. And I ended up getting, uh, you know, because, we didn't get those days added to later and you go back and look and it was just um, me and, and Kenny Rogers were the only guys that 
didn't that had to play seven years to become free agent. And add to that mm. that I was illegally traded to the to the Yankees. You're not allowed right, so to do was, any movements like that during lockouts. So why did they want to trade you to the Yankees? I mean, you had such a good start there for the White Sox, and I, I think I might have read a couple of things about they were they were being a little frugal at the time, maybe. So what was kind of the the situation there after you had that hot start? What what ended in Chicago for you? You know what? I don't know. I don't know why they didn't want to sign me, and they they just weren't big fans of mine to tell you the truth. And think about it. They took me to to arbitration three straight years, you know? And you're talking 17-win season, a 20-win season, a 22-win season. They take me to arbitration three straight years. Never offered me a deal. They offered they actually offered me a deal in the day before what arbitration was supposed to be leading into 1994. They said, okay, here's a four-year deal. And here, here was four different ones that they laid out in front of me and my brother. My brother was my agent. And I just didn't even look at him. I said, I don't even care what they are. Yes, I'll take any of them. You guys pick and let me know. I just want to stay here because we're getting good and it's going good. Well, the next day, they got pulled. The offers got pulled and we went to arbitration again. It was, it was nuts. Just a weird situation. All right, so I have a question about some former teammates. You have, you knew Frank Thomas before new new Genix. You, uh, <laughs> you was you. I don't know if he was around the year Nolan Ryan got crazy on Ventura, and then we also had a friend of the show wanted to ask you about if Ozzy Guillen was your favorite teammate ever. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of teammates that, that I liked. O- Ozzy wasn't a huge fan of mine, to tell you the truth. And you know, <laughs> it was fine. We were we were good teammates it was a decent clubhouse with the White Sox you know there was a little bit of hassle here and there it wasn't the best clubhouse that I was in but um but it was pretty solid overall Uh, yeah we we had uh somebody specifically asked about Ozzy so we weren't really sure why so uh, (laughs) I guess he just wasn't a fan of yours that we'll, we'll take that for what it's worth the one thing I did want to ask you, I came across uh, a story uh, just because I, I was paying attention. We know LaRusse is back with the White Sox. He wasn't He wasn't your manager, right? You left the year before. So just in light of all the stuff that kind of happened over the last uh, few years of the Astros and whatnot, did did you go on record somewhere and mention that there was uh, maybe a potential thing with LaRusse prior to that with the White Sox? Were they doing something kind of crazy at the time? When I got there, there was a, a cheating light out in center field, you know. And know. so, what what exactly is that? Like, just because I'm kind of naive on this. It was a light that popped on. If it was a breaking ball, there was a switch right on the manager's desk to do it. And the wow. pitcher that was uh, keeping the books was the one who was running it. You were watching a the other catcher and what the signs were. And, you know, you, you had to do that and let the hitters know what was coming. And I remember, you know, getting to the big leagues and that and go, how am I supposed to win and do good in this one? This is what's going on. This is crazy. And it stopped after that year. Okay. After my, my first year, but the next year, you know, we come in and the A's come in early in the season First pitch of the game, nobody on base, and they're given like five or six signs to the pitcher. Okay. 
which is usually, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so you know this is going on. So that's what I said. So guess who put it in? If they already know that it's here and they still think it's here, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. It is typical media. Everyone blew me up. Everyone's like, oh, McDonald's, McDonald's, you know, no, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's this and that. Never once ask any other White Sox player about that. You know who else played on that team? Kenny Williams. Why don't we ask him? You know, why don't we ask Ozzy Gann? Why else who actually was there during those years? Or ask the 20 guys that were still there with the White Sox that, you know, were there when La Russa was there. It ain't that difficult to figure out, so but it's I just guess, blow me up and you know throw me under, but no one else, no one wants to go ask anybody else to kind of prove it. So I guess my question is like, is I, I guess maybe it's easy to say this now because of what's happened over the last few years, but you know why wouldn't there be more people more likely to like bring that to light? Because that seems like such a black eye that's happening right there, and you end up having to kind of die on the hill there. That that doesn't seem right. Yeah, well, the thing is, is what do you think that the the Astros a few years ago and the White Sox back when I was there are the only teams that have done this? I mean, come on, it's it's oh, of course not left and right forever, you know. And right. you just have to realize that you have to realize it. And guess what? If you're a pitcher pitching in the game, you have to come up with a good sign system with your catcher that's really going to be hard to break down. Hey, wait a minute, what? How am I going to know that this is? something they call and and you just do it you got to get better at that kind of stuff and you know everyone kind of did it because everyone knew what was going on in different places so have you ever had any of those moments where you're on the mound and you were just for certain somebody was uh you know taking a taking a tip on your signs for any reason um not really because i felt like we had a good sign system you know, going back and forth. So it would take a while to figure out what okay. it was and like really studied film and really were smart. But then go ahead, you change it every inning. So how do they know going in what, what you're going to use that inning? And that's the way it goes. And it, one of the funny things that happened back in the day when we were when they were doing it with the White Sox was it was just a center field camera shooting into the catcher. And sometimes the second base umpire would stand right in front of it and the hitters wouldn't get the call and they'd come back and be all pissed off, you know, <laughs> wait a minute, you know, they threw a change if I had no idea it was coming, you know, <laughs> the umpire was standing right in front of the camera. What do, we, what do you want us to do? We couldn't see it. So it's at the point where the umpires are going to stand in front of it, but they're not going to call it out. Yeah, well, they uh, they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> oh, it was just by, by happenstance. Yeah, that's just where they happened to be. All right, so you ended up uh, getting getting shipped off to the Yankees, and you were just there for one year, right? Yeah. All right, so how how did you become we? I this is just Google telling us what to to figure out about Mr. Jack McDowell that you are one of the most hated Yankees of all time. How does that happen after playing there just one year? Well, I saw somebody say that, you know, and it's not, that's actually not true because after the flip off moment, they actually became fans more. (laughs) That sounds accurate, actually. And that really, that really was, you know, there's some people that are, Oh, he wasn't like, and he this and that. And, you know, and and then I go, I go, why don't you go take a look at that season guys? 
said, I dragged your butt to the playoffs for the first time in 13 years and <laughs> gave up a lot of personal stats to do it. And that's what I was frustrated about is that the fans who are supposed to be such great fans in New York, not realizing that the reason I was left in games when I wasn't throwing great is because we didn't have that deep of a pitching staff. And so I just had to suck up innings and get my butt handed to me when it was getting handed to me instead of getting taken out of games. So they'd sit there and boo me, boo, 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 you know, like, Hey, you know what guys, I'm actually doing the team a favor, figure it out. And when they booed me, the game that the the White Sox were beating up on me and I had to stay in there is the game that I lost it. And I'm like, come on, figure it out. It's the team that traded me and you're going to show me up like this. It was a little frustrating. I think we'll back you up on there. I think uh, how many complete games did he have that year? I believe he had 15 wins and eight complete games. So, I mean – that was eight complete games, that's man. A, that's a lot. That's like four <laughs> years worth for today's pitchers. Uh, yeah, that's or more. A, that, that might be validating your take right there. <laughs> Jordan season two. And, you know, the part that barely anybody knows is if you go look, there's a reason why I missed my last two starts of the season because I tore my lat muscle. Ah. You know, so they came back to the playoffs and just threw with a torn lat muscle just to do it, you know. And actually did okay, but the only the only pitch you see is Edgar, you know, hitting the double office, and that's that's the only pitch I threw in Major League Baseball, I guess. But that's the only one you see anymore. <laughs> but you're so you're pitching with a torn lat during the playoffs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you're you're right. The pitching staff was phenomenal that year. <laughs> there was a lump back there about as big as a golf, and so every time that I. I Cognitive, you know, you're it would just crunch up over that thing. It didn't feel real good, you know. And if you go back and look at that game, everyone talks about, oh yeah, they they walked you off, and then I'm like, oh yeah, did you go back and look what actually happened? That was my third inning after starting two days prior, and I actually (laughs) saved two of Mariano Rivera's postseason runs from not scoring by coming in and striking out Edgar the first time. So, you know, uh, nobody wants to remember that part. <laughs> I, would, I would have been a closer. That would have been two saves I got before the, the blown one. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So, so let me ask you this. I, you know, I, I meant to kind of start off with this one because, you know, they're, you're synonymous with the name. How did you get the nickname Blackjack? Well, that was just uh, Hawk Harrelson. He was a love giving nicknames okay. to people. And I didn't even know about it. I don't know if you guys have heard me talk about this one before, but I found out about it in Minnesota. We were stretching, ready, getting ready for batting practice. So we were stretching in front of our dugout. Minnesota gets done with their batting practice. They're walking off the field. We're walking on the field. And Kirby Puckett walks by and he goes, Black Jack, what's going on? And I'm like, hey, Puck, what's up? And I turned around and turned and I said, what did he just call me? He just called me Blackjack. What is that? And Robin told me, I think I heard somebody say that that's what they're calling you now. That's what Hawk's calling you on TV. You know, like, oh, okay. So I wouldn't have known because, you know, we're in the dugout. We aren't actually watching the game. So other people right. are watching. So that's how I found out the first time is, is Puck told me. Hey, you know what? That's a, that's a badass nickname. I'm just going to say like, even, in, and it's better when you don't make it up yourself. If you call yourself blackjack, nobody cares. But when somebody else gives you that, you know, you embrace it, yeah, man. It's something good. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was it's pretty interesting. And I always, you know, Hawk's Hawk's whole thing was that he gave it to me because he thought I was, you know, a badass because I stared at somebody after they hit a home run, <laughs> stared at him around the around. <laughs> like I know, I kind of look at it and I go, I thought it was because I was the ace of the staff and my name was Jack, so that's Blackjack, Ace and Jack, twenty one. Okay, ah, I like that. Was I like that too. See, we're we're learning things here. This is important. I'm not good at poker. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Lose my ass every time I play. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, look, you know, that three to eighteen. No, oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> Blackjack. All right, so are you are you able to take the the credit for being the trend on when pitchers decide to start like rock and roll bands? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, that's there was not a ton going on, but I just it was interesting the way it happened, to tell you the truth. And you want to know when it happened was I played guitar from the time I was 11, 12 years old and always loved lyrics, loved all that stuff, but never really wrote a song or anything. But then the first year, and we've already talked about that, that I signed and went back to Stanford. Well, I went back to Stanford to do that one quarter in the off season and I wasn't going to baseball practice. So what the heck was I doing all day? I didn't know what I was doing all day. So I brought my guitar with me and I would sit there and play guitar. And then I ended up just starting messing around and writing songs. And that's when I started writing my first songs. And that's just kind of how it jumped up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I know we got guys like like Bronson Arroyo and uh, Barry Zito out there like doing stuff with music, but uh, I think you might be the trendsetter here, man. It's okay to take some credit. Yeah, and a lot of people that haven't even heard any of the stuff that I've done, you know, it's like when Zito came out with his one song, everyone blew up like, oh my God, this is such a great song. I'm like, oh, I got six records. (laughs) (laughs) You'd you'd play it, no one would even know who it was. So, you know, that's it. People don't how much we actually did with the music back All right, then. So, so let, let's, uh, let's, let's inflate our egos here a little bit. So you're, you're able to kind of encompass anything you want here. So if you had to tell me who your musical style is, who influences you, who did you kind of grow up listening to? How did you come up with what you do today? Well, I had older brothers and sisters. My brothers and sisters are seven, eight and 10 years older than me. And so I grew up and they were fans of the Beatles the Who, and then Jethro Tull as it moved into the 70s and all that. So it was, you know, a lot of the 70s rock was what I grew up listening to. Then my sister started working in the music industry. And she she worked for Chrysalis Records. She worked for, for uh, MCA. And so every time there was a new band, we'd hear it before anyone else did. So like the Babies and yeah, who else would that? Oh gosh, it was I mean, the Eagles, the Police. The, I mean, so many different bands that played on all that stuff, and that I got to hear before anyone else did. It was kind of fun. So I really got into music back then. I right, who's but, the, who's the who's the greatest I, rock and roll band of all time? As I grew older, my favorite band, like in high school, was the Fix, and then. As we move forward, it was REM and the replacements were two of my favorite favorite bands. Okay. As I was a big Paul Westerberg fan. And I just loved the way he did lyrical stuff. Like he would twist uh twist terms around and things like that, which if you go look, 
one of the first um, stick figure records that we did. There's actually the second stick figure record. The first stick figure record was was called Just a Thought. And then the second record was called Ape of the Kings. And that was a tip. Of, that was a tip of the hat to Westerberg. Because I turned around the King of the Apes to Ape of the, I'm the Ape of the Kings. I was going to ask because I saw that title <laughs> on the album. And I was like, man, that that there's something there that's kind of creative. I like that. Yeah, that was that was the yeah that was my tip of the hat to Westerberg, definitely. All right. So, how many albums did uh, Stick Finger uh, ended up making, or Stick Figure? I'm sorry. I, we I did one, three, four. I have, let's see, but one, two, three, four, five total records. He's counting Before, the gold records on the wall right now. That's what just happened. Yeah, we had two two records when we were calling ourselves a view. And then someone came to us and said that, hey, you know, we're having a band that's called the view. All you know, and we were here a couple of years before you guys started. So I said, okay, we'll change our name. And so I changed our name to Stick Figure, did all that stuff, and we did six records. Our last record that I recorded was in. 2001 and then i don't know how it went maybe three four five years later some band called stick figure shows up again because people started going <laughs> oh you guys are you guys coming to play here i see stick figures playing here are you guys kind of like no i'm not i'm nowhere close to there what are you talking about and i had to look it up and go see we talked to them and said hey can you can we just do something guys this is dumb why would you guys name it? Now, if I try to come back with a record, what am I supposed to do? You know, they go, oh, so what? We, we went and we had it, you know, copyrighted. I said, that's not what you do in music. Copyrighted names, once you release records, they're automatically copyrighted. Okay. I can't just go and call myself uh, the Beatles. You know, they didn't really copyright their name, but, you know, pretty much everyone knows who they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might help them in, in today's world might help you get more downloads i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah it's crazy are you still making music at all well i didn't really but i actually i did a song a, a few weeks ago um just basically on my computer i did the first you know which is everyone doesn't no one has bands anymore that actually play music together you create everything technologically just like they do in baseball <laughs> and so I, I did that to do because um, I'm going to be managing the Burlington Sock Puppets this winter, this winter, this summer. Ha! And <laughs> so I wrote the song called Socket to Them. And so that's hopefully going to be the song we take the field to every day. I, I, I saw that. I saw that on your social media. Not bad. You know, it says, I see what you're saying though. You got to kind of put everything together yourself there though. Right. Oh yeah. It was funny. Cause a, an old drummer commented on the, on the Facebook post. He's like, well, that was kind of cool drums. And I'm like, Oh, that's a funny thing. That was me slamming <laughs> in my printer. And then <laughs> sound like a kick drum and, and I said, you can just do that now. Just smack your hands on stuff. And they sound like drums. So that's why there was no symbols, guys. <laughs> There's no symbols now. <laughs> so let me ask you about so coaching. So you're you're talking about going into the Appalachian League here with the uh what what's the name of the team again? The sock puppets. The sock Burlington. puppets. 
So I'm, I'm fairly certain that, uh, you know, where we live at in West Virginia, we had a single a ball club down here that got, uh, the guillotine with all the shifts in minor league baseball. Uh, but the West Virginia power, I think they're in the same, same league with you guys. Yeah. So, so what, tell us a little bit about the Appalachian league. What all is that exactly? Well, we'll see. It's a college league now, but with younger players, I think they're got They have a lot of. They have kids that are freshmen going to be sophomores, and kids that are incoming freshmen that are going to show up. So it's like kind of a, you know, pre Cape Cod league. They want to make it something right. where they get to study all these guys and scout them out, you know, to see who they feel can move forward. So did you do much uh, managing or coaching? I mean, obviously you mentioned, uh, you know, helping out with like Little League and stuff like that because you're repping the shirt today. But uh, other than uh, the Appy League here, any other managing or coaching you've been up to? Uh, I've been coaching my the whole my whole time. I mean, the first – I got done uh, done with my, seat, my last season in 1999, and I've been coaching every year since then at every level, from T-ball all the way through Pro Bowl. And – my uh, my first round of kids, I got them all the way from T-ball all the way through high school. I was their coach. And then I was divorced, have another set of kids here, and we're you know doing the role again from T-ball all the way through Little League. But in between those, I was with the Dodgers for a couple of years, managing their rookie ball team. In college, coaching college here, we started a program here at Queens University. So I was there for three years coaching. Okay. So I guess my question with all that, I, I I'm imagining the college and, and hopefully with the happy league, that stuff's great, but how do you deal with the parents when you're coaching the, the youngins, man? Because all I hear is horror stories from everybody. You, you have any issues with any of that? I didn't have much with the, with the youth. They, it, they let them do stuff when it was the college time, which was very weird for me because I was coaching college thinking, okay, we got adults now and you know, Hey, you understand you know, what parents saying, oh, my kid should be playing more this night. It's like, you don't understand. I want to win more than you or your kid wants to win. I'm going to do what's right and put the right guys on the field. And, you know, and that was a little frustrating. There's a lot of frustrating things in that the college situation that I was in, which is why I walked away from it. I'm just glad to be going back out in the field. And this will be interesting because you're only with these kids for two months. And I don't, you know, we don't know any of them till they show up and we show up, we have one day, the season starts and then we have two months with them. I am, wow. I'm at, I've been making a list of notes of things that I really want them to take away from this summer. I don't want to sit there and just sit back and watch and try to work on individual stuff with guys. I want to teach them baseball because baseball is not being taught anymore. And for everyone that says, what are you talking about? Well, go watch the major leagues. How many little league, base running plays, blunders, and things like that are going on. It's unreal. And even coaching in pro ball and coaching in college over the last decade, I'm realizing so much stuff that we knew when I was you know, seven to 10 years old isn't even taught anymore. And it's crazy. You know, stuff is just not taught about the game. Everything's about mechanics and let's go work on this and that and this. Well, how about the game? You know, how about we, we work on the game? That's what wins, you know? Yeah. Everyone's worried about, like, exit velocity, launch angle, all that nonsense. And you watch the shift today. People don't know how to beat the shift. How about laying a bunt down the third baseline? All oh, that's right. They don't even know how to bunt anymore. 
are. This season, they're actually going at it. Right? They're going. They're they're actually bunting a heck of a lot more. Guys are staying inside fastballs and just like hitting cruddy ground balls the opposite way. You know, just more than normal. Pepper. More than normal. Just play pepper and laugh and go. Oh, you want to shift? Okay, I have to. I swear, I could go do that. I don't care if you're throwing 100 miles an hour. If you give me one side of the infield, I will stick the bat out there and hit a cruddy ground ball the other way. And then walk to first. (laughs) If if you're trying trying to get your launch angle and your exit velocity, you ain't going to do it. No. (laughs) Hey, baseball dudes. Mm-hmm. I is is it going to go full circle though? Or are we going to get to a point to where hopefully, like with what you're saying, teaching these guys how to play baseball, like that's got to give some of these guys an advantage down the road? Because if you have a more well-rounded, you know, kind of semblance of fundamentals, like I, I because when you watch baseball now, when we talk about the majors, it's home run, strikeout, and that's and that's it. Like the small balls kind of disappeared. There's a few teams that try. But man, it, it's it's tough. We were talking the other day, like a guy like Greg Maddox may not even make the pros now because he doesn't have the velocity as a pitcher, even though he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, they it's a weird thing right now that's going on. And while it's starting to show itself, they're still doing it. And I don't understand how every single organization has gone that direction. I feel like God, give me one of these teams and let me run it, and we'll just walk away with it every single year because we'll teach the game. Yeah. And all these, you know, and, and there's all this stuff that they're teaching that's exploitable. And that's going to be something that I focus on this summer, too. You know, all these dumb things that they're teaching are very exploitable if you know what the heck you're doing. So I'm going to try to steer these guys away from doing dumb stuff and try to get them to realize what they can do to win. There was one thing we talked about earlier this week, and, like, you can't understate the importance of just putting the ball in play because this year there's actually more strikeouts this year in baseball than it is hits. So you can have productive outs, but you got to put it in play to have the productive out. So it's like – oh. A strikeout's okay now, and I think that's got to change because so much can happen by hitting, you know, the ball to the right side and then moving the runner to third with less than two outs. Yeah. That's a huge thing we with can the have sack a fly. Choice. I mean, but it, they don't play like that. We need that. Absolutely, and and hey, let's let's do analytics here, guys. Here we go. We're going to turn into analytics nerds. So here's <laughs> it. Okay, ground balls. Do do pop flies? And fly balls create errors, or do ground balls usually the ones that create errors? Ground balls, right? So your gold glover usually has like a 900 fielding percentage, which means he catches nine and he's going to make an error on the 10th. That means every other game maybe, you know? And striking out, well, let me see. When you strike out, how many times would you possibly get on base? Well, let's see if the catcher misses the third strike, you know, (laughs) figure it out, you know, hit hard ground balls. That's exit velocity. Mostly is important for ground balls. Get it through quicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's where you're going to win. Sure. You know, a lot of angle happens, but you don't create a launch angle. You do not create a launch angle. You try to swing to line drive. If you're a little bit above it, it's a hard ground ball. If you square it perfectly, it's a hard line drive. If you're this far under it, 
oh, I created a launch angle on a straight swing. And hit that. <laughs> They're like, but no one, no one who's who swings like a line drive and swings old school hit home runs. Hmm, that's weird. You know, we, we talk about how analytics is kind of taken over in a negative way, which I love analytics. Like if you want to tell me about, about a guy getting on base and things like that, that's great. But now when we're talking about the, the, the exit velocities, yeah, you're, you're starting to lose me, but let me ask you this on the other rule changes. I don't know if the, uh, the Appy league has any of this stuff going on. How do you feel about the stuff like the ghost runners and the, uh, the, the shortened double headers and, and, you know, I know you were always an AL guy. How do you feel about the universal DH? Just throwing those things out there to you. Uh, I mean, I don't care about the DH thing. That's up to the, that's up to the players and teams and stuff. If they want to do it. You know, I know that the players union in the past have always gone against that because the older players at the end of their career get to stay in and be DHs and not have to worry about, you know, playing and getting injuries more and stuff like that. So that's a little bit understandable. Um, as far as the rest of the stuff, it's ridiculous. Why do, why are we changing it? You know, it just makes me laugh. And then they're talking about, well, we're going to move, you know, the mound back a foot. Okay. <laughs> 12 inches is this far guys is every hitter have his back foot on the back line of the batter's box. No. So if you want to adjust a foot to get it a foot longer, go to the back of the box, you know, wait, that's all it is. It's ridiculous. That's the same thing about, oh, the bases are going to get bigger. Wow. Okay. We're going to take away one foot in between the bases. There'll be more stolen bases. I'm like going, do you really think, and you know, when I, when I start thinking and talking about this stuff, that the guys making these rules have no clue about the actual game. Because you know what? If you take a one foot bigger lead, that is nothing. Nobody knows that you're taking a one foot bigger lead than you normally would. And guess what? You're one foot closer, so you should just be able to steal easy now. It's ridiculous. Like, why? Why are you trying to do all this stuff that means nothing? It's like speed up the game, speed up the game. You cannot speed up the game. The game will end when it ends. It's either going to go quickly or it's going to go long. You know, you can do a 20-second pitch clock, and that will knock off five minutes a game. Well, guess what? If I give up two more hits during the game, that's another five minutes. So <laughs> that's now, right. You can't, you can't do this. You cannot do that in this game. They should, and I don't know why they keep pushing. We need to speed up this game. It's too long. It's too long. Like it's a terrible game. No, this is the best game out there. And there's so many reasons and ideas they can push to explain why it is the best game there is and sell it that way rather than trying to push it that, Oh, we got to speed it up because no one wants to watch it. Well, that's not true. You know, no people would rather, you know, if I'm going to a double header, I want to stay there for six hours. How much fun is that? That's like a rare, cool thing to do. But now it's, you know, seven innings and seven innings. No, nah, you're right. The problem is marketing. It's not the game. Yeah, and they just decided to go anti-baseball and make all these changes to try to fix what they thought was bad. But it's not bad, and once again, because they don't know the game. I have never went to a ball game and been like, oh, man, I wish this was over earlier. <laughs> you know, and like, I swear to you, God. I th- don't look at your watch. You watch the no, game. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 
Like I, I never, I never thought I want this to be over earlier. And then it's like, also, I think Rob Manfred just sits in his office and does peyote because what the hell's he think? He does peyote and watch Twitter. That's it's it. crazy. Well, I, like it's, it's I not broke. Sitting around the table making all these rule changes. The thing that I don't understand is how the Players Association is letting it all go through without any comeback at all. There's no slam back from the players, and I don't understand that either. I, I think there's some people out there who think that if they do increase the speed of the game, somehow that's going to help revenue and things like that. But let's be honest. People are either baseball fans or they're not. And what you're doing is the more that you bastardize it and do these stupid changes, your traditional baseball fans are the ones that check out. You're not doing anything. When you tell somebody it's going to be three hours instead of three hours and 15 minutes, oh, wow, that's going to bring in a new crowd. No, what brings in a new crowd is well, you have it now. There's tons of young players that are phenomenal, like athletes, and, and the, like the game is so good right now. Just the amount market of talent, that, market that. Yes, just like let that be the the thing that gets you over. Don't don't screw it up. No, absolutely, and it's the same thing. The guys running it don't understand the actual game, and that is the part that is ruining it. And there are so many people angry at Major League Baseball right now. It's un it's unreal. Unreal. We've we've got to get a GoFundMe together to get Blackjack back in the game. Get get he's got to get his own team to manage. And Maybe we can just try to get him to replace Manfred. We'd be okay. <laughs> that, that'd be all right. that fix <laughs> everything. I don't know. The owners never liked me, so they're not going to let me in. Yeah, technically, half of them's probably dead by now. So you're good. <laughs> it's new owners. Yeah, new owners. <laughs> I know you can bring the Expos back. We kind of opine for that sometimes. Yeah, I was telling someone the other day that. I've been all over. We play, I played in Vancouver, you know, played in Toronto, and then the 18U tournament USA, we were in Saskatchewan. So I've got those three covered, but never got to go to Montreal. Never seen Montreal. I heard it's a cool city, but never got to go there. So That's right. Because I, Let me ask you this. That, that kind of ties into the rules and stuff we were talking about. I'm, I'm very old school. I can't speak for Mr. Brown on this one, but I would love if interleague play didn't even exist now. How do you feel about that? You know what? When they did it, when it started, it was just a short little two-week thing, which is kind of cool. Now it's all over the place, and that kind of – I don't know. It's whatever. I, I, I mean – I know why they're doing it. They think, oh, if we have two closer teams, there'll be more rivalries built up, you know, and it'll be interesting. Uh, it's the same thing. Has that actually happened? No. So the, where, where are the analytics people analyzing their, their moves? They don't. They just make the moves based on what they think, but then they don't, like, actually – measure and analyze that the same thing with like pitch counts and cutting innings and this and that oh wait are injuries disappearing no there are more, <laughs> more now there's more injuries now than there ever were wait a minute so this pitch count and making our starters only you know paying them 30 million dollars a year but they only need to go five innings and we have to have four other guys come in to finish a game for you know 80 percent of the starts that is smart and that is helping. How is that helping? It's not <laughs> preaching to the choir. Yeah. Uh, see, we shouldn't even ask uh, Blackjack about his career. We should just start bitching about baseball. Yeah. <laughs> That'd have been more fun. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, all right. So, when does the Appy League start again? 
It's the first week of June. I think June 3rd is our opening day. Okay. So do you know if I, are you going to come down to Charleston any, we'll come try to find you. I mean, we, I think we're in the league, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's, there, there is a team. Yeah. That you guys are in there. So yeah, well, we'll be there. All right, we're gonna show up. You'll see us uh, wearing our "We Don't Know Sports" shirt, so we'll we'll, we'll try to track you down. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be coaching third too, because that's what I that's like my most fun thing to do right now is to be out there doing that. And it's one of the reasons why I kind of stayed away from pro ball because I know they just would have targeted me as a pitching coach, and that I just love the game. You know, and I went to Stanford as a two-way player. I was a shortstop pitcher going there. Ended up just being a pitcher. And I always have just been wanting to play and wanting to know the game overall and coach it overall and just became more of a fan of all this other stuff rather than just the pitching end of it. So what you're saying is you just love baseball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Blackjack, man, we appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. We got to keep in touch. And and if you guys do make that trip down here to Charleston, barring uh, crazy COVID and stuff like that, we'll look you up when you're in town, man. All right. Sounds good. I got to tell you, it's great to come back after a three-week hiatus and start with an interview like that. Mr. Brown, thank you for the get, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to him Three or four weeks ago in Cincinnati, um, when I was there for the while you were at the game, right? Reds and Cardinals game. That was the game that Castellanos flexed. That's the right. Dude, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. he was right there. Arenado's first home run as a Cardinal. Five home runs, but like some things fell together on social media, and we started talking back and forth at the game, and it, it worked out. So Blackjack was on today, and it, it was pretty awesome. So you get memories. You get memories of this Reds game with all the home rounds, Aaron Otto hitting a home run, Cassiano's getting a suspension, and you just making friends with Jack McDowell. Yeah, I was like talking to him, the guy I went with at work, and he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm talking to Jack McDowell. He's like, what? Like, Jack McDowell? I'm like, yeah. you know, the it's, no- it's just a privilege the, to know The you 93 know. Cy Young Award winner? <laughs> Chatting Jack up Brett Boone while you're there? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, yeah. See, so you're throwing that out there. Ah, uh, we did. You know what? You were you were gone after we did the interview. I did ask him if you ever got mistaken for Roger McDowell. Yeah. And if you ever got invited to Rock and Jack baseball, and he was kind of upset about that. He didn't get to go. You know, he's like, he said, "I'm more rock and roll than anybody. I play guitar. I do all this stuff." Yeah, and they they did. take Roger McDowell to the Rock and Jack baseball. What the he, hell is he that? Been right there. He's right though. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I could. You know, I told him all you had to do was wear a kilt. You remember that? Yeah, Roger McDowell yeah. wore the kilt. That's what got him on there because that's cool. Roger McDowell, though, back in the day, he was kind of a prankster. He liked the match foot and all. The hot yeah, foot and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. yeah. He, he, he was that guy. That's why he was there for the Man, jokes. That's it. That's it. You know, you know, you sound like a like. I was kind of pissed when the Braves hired him as a pitching coach. I'm like, I don't want this clown leading my pitchers. <laughs> I'm like, why are they hiring this guy? I was like, can he even be serious? <laughs> nah, he's just lighting people's shoes on fire. It's That's like, what he does. It was like the Joker. Why so serious? <laughs> and then here comes McDowell coming out the tunnel. Uh, he's not serious. No, he's not. And he's he's gone now. <laughs> yeah, I Thank think he's God. on the Orioles staff yeah, now. I don't know. Anyway, so fellas, you know, it's been like weeks, man. Mr. Brown, you had COVID. We've kind of hinted that earlier on the show. But how you feeling today, man? Uh, way better than I was. I mean, because of that. And then, like, you get over and then, like, your, your family has and everything. So we just played it safe. We backed off for a few weeks to make sure we're all good to go. And, you know, well, there wasn't a lot going on. But, man, you know, we go three weeks without doing a show. I feel like we miss a ton of sports conversation. 
Yeah, there's like 12 different directions we could go in over the last three weeks. I mean, we could make this a three-hour show. Yeah, we're good at doing that off air. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, for those of y'all don't realize this, we've been talking for three hours, and it's getting late. I know. Like, we're right? approaching the midnight hour. We're only we're only cutting some of this conversation. For yeah, me. we're approaching the witching hour here, and we because we haven't got to talk, and we just keep talking. We've talked about wrestling and basketball, baseball, football, and. These guys are here, they're, they're wrestling nerds. All right, so See, Mr. I'll, Brown specifically wanted to bring this up because I watched the AEW show this week because they had Blood and Guts, which is essentially war games. And it was a great show. I mean, it really was. Uh, you know, people were getting a little upset about Jericho maybe falling on the king-size mattress, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I think there was like four or five crimson masks in, in that match. It was a nice old school, you know, cage match. You had people bleeding from the skull. It was great, man. It As made opposed me, to bleeding from where? You know, they, it could be a blood capsule. You, you chew it on your mouth, you spit it out. Bleeding from the skull. It's not rusty. Bleeding like out your ass. ass. Yeah. That'd be better. Hemorrhoids. <laughs> Yeah. Razor blades to the forehead. Yeah. Either way, Big, you watched a little bit of it. Overall, it was a good show. It yeah, was. It was great. Here's the thing. You can say what you want to about Jericho's fall. He still took a 20-foot fall. He did, and he's like 54. Yeah. So, you know, hats off, Mr. Jericho. Hey, if you want to make fun of that fall or how he landed, if you're 54 years old and you want to go take that, you let me know. I'll hey, video you know what? You. We'll go ask Jack McDowell if he, at his age if he wants to take a fall off a 20-foot gauge. Yeah, yeah. he's 55. Yeah, so he's right there with Jericho. I don't want to do it at 39. No. Well, you got a broken freaking neck. Yeah. I, That's why. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. So, we, we, I, we didn't talk about WrestleMania back when it happened didn't watch it don't care so this is like the first time wrestling's even come back on my radar so that's enough i can talk about that we had the nfl draft uh so i just want to ask you how the quarterbacks well, take and you know just we we had we had trevor lawrence we got uh zach lance. wilson we got trey lance yeah. we have your boy Matt Jones. All right, so. in the Patriots lap. So how how are these guys going to project going forward? And is any of them going to be guaranteed year two? I think there's uh, two spots where if you were a quarterback, you wanted to go. You wanted to go to San Francisco with that roster when it comes back healthy next He's year. He's not going to play, though. But that That's fine. It's a, it's a landing spot built to succeed. The other spot built to succeed was in New England with uh, Belichick McDaniels. If you went to one of those two spots as a rookie quarterback, you have a chance to succeed big time. Trevor Lawrence is an amazing talent. He'll be – he, he'll put up good numbers, but Jacksonville is a, at the death trap. The Jets with Zach Wilson, there's too much expected of him already. He's coming from BYU, and he's going to the friggin' Big Apple. Give me a break. Which, Biggie, to follow that up, which <laughs> quarterbacks – and that conversation is going to start from day one. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence will Only start one? from day one. Uh, Zach Wilson will start how, from how, day one. How can Lawrence beat out that mullet with the spike tag? Have you not seen the mane that Trevor Lawrence has? Like, yeah, if we're, if we're this is apples and apples. Somebody's clearly got the better, the no, better but lettuce got up the, there. He, he's coming straight out of the trailer park, man, with the spike tear uh, and the mullet. He looks like Billy Ray Cyrus. He does. Yeah, but you can't wear that belt buckle while you play. No. That's all right, so you know why Trevor Lawrence starts? Because that's the only reason Urban Meyer took the job. That's right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. So Lawrence starts, and you said Wilson starts? Yeah. Yeah, Wilson starts. Because who else is Jets going to play? Yep. Everybody else, I think. Mac, Mac Jones. Trey Lance consent. doesn't start. Jimmy starts the season there. 
Uh, Justin Fields in Chicago doesn't start the season opener. Right. Mac Jones probably does not start no, the season he, opener. He doesn't bar, say it's Cam Barring injuries. Right barring injuries, injuries. All those guys you just said, I'm 100% in agreement. They're not starting week one. So the funny part is with uh, Wilson and the Jets. I mean – can we argue? Can anyone sit here and be honest with me and tell me that they're not better with Darnold? Uh, I can also sit here and tell you that the Jets have never made a good draft pick for a quarterback. So, I mean, yes, I'm not going to sit here and down the horse and say Wilson's better than Darnold. You know, like, here's the thing. What if Darnold goes to Carolina and throws 30 touchdowns? I think year? he's going to have a good year. Like Carolina's He's never had a player a, like McCaffrey as a security. Player. Carolina's got wide receivers. That, uh, they're, yeah. they're not a bad team. I'm a I'm big on Sam Darnold, and I've got pooped on from some of my friends who were really into football. For Not me. Because of what I've he told you, I thought Jets. Darnold was okay. Yeah, he's going to go down to Carolina. He's going to have McCaffrey. They got decent wide receivers, and you know who's running that offense? Joe Brady. Yeah. Or is it Tom Brady? Or is it Bill Brady? <laughs> he came from LSU. He made Teddy look good in games last year. Sam Darnold's going to have a good season. The, the best thing to happen for him was getting out of New York. The best thing for Zach Wilson and going to New York is that Adam Gase is not his head coach. All right. So well, they, they brought this up on draft night, the fact that, like, why not keep Darnold and then build around the guy? But now no. you traded him. Because the Cardinals didn't do it with Rosen, so why should we? And now you got freaking Wilson, and you have nothing to build around the guy, so you're yeah. essentially starting over, only it's a downgrade. But I'll just – before Biggie answers, because I know he's got something to say, is there anybody in the world that looks at the Jets and go, you know, the Jets would be a good team if it just wasn't for Sam Darnold? Probably not. Nobody. To me, the biggest upgrade the Jets could have made was that head coach, general manager position, how they ran their What was wrong with Adam Gaze? Once they went with Robert Salah, or Salah, however you say his name, from San Francisco, at that point, keep Sam Darnold, because he is uber-talented. Uber-talented? Yeah. Are you a millennial now? Do I say super talented? No, you said uber talented. That makes you millennial. Oh, okay. He's super you talented. Edit that other crap. <laughs> All right, so. He's a true swamp monster now. <laughs> the swamp monster lives in the bayou of the Carolinas. I'll say this. Yes. Obviously, you know, I'm a diehard Patriots fan. The one team Mac Jones could have went to where he has success as soon as he starts and fits perfectly is New England because one thing that Belichick has always looked for with the McDaniel system, he wants a quarterback right, who won't I'm make gonna mistakes. I'm going to shut you down to save face for you, okay? I'm going to do this for your benefit. Yeah. It is the perfect fit. Mac Jones going to the Patriots. Now, the unfair comparison is people saying he's going to be the next Tom Brady. Yeah, That's not no, fair to anybody. It's not fair to anybody. Like If, if Mac Jones makes a Pro Bowl, then he's Doing well. Right, but Mac Let's Jones coming there. in, letting yeah. Cam run the show starting out, and maybe they are able to tweak things and make it work with Cam, then that's great for New England. But knowing you got Mac Jones sitting there, that's the right spot you want to be in. Yep. My, all right, let's transition. No, hold on, hold on. Oh, good. I got one more thing about Mac Jones. So I'm sitting there watching the draft, and you th- the memes are out there, top five pick, and then he's still in the draft room. He's waiting, and he's uncomfortable. He keeps falling. <laughs> he keeps falling. People's making trades. And then it became clear, like when you're building up to the number 10 pick, and then slightly after that, you know what? He's falling to New England. You knew it was happening. It, it, you could just you watch it. it. It was slow motion. We were texting for trying God. to talk him out of that. It wasn't happening. Yeah, we were trying it was. to mess with but it. But for God's sakes, we know the picks take long enough. They know who they're taking, but they're going to still take the full 10 minutes. It's slow motion. You know he's going to New England. It couldn't have been better. He came out that tunnel like a Vince McMahon he strut. Did. That's no what I was just going to say. That's you hit the nail on the head. Got. How long does it take him to take? 
the pick, even when they know who they're taking. When it dropped to 15, the Patriots had that thing in as quick as they could write it out. Uh, you it's know no damn wonder Belichick was over there petting and stroking his dog, man. He, he, he did have a big my lap, boys. What kind of dog is that? It's like a husky. No, it's not a husky. It's, it's like, like a husky one of those. Um, it's like a husky shit. Like a, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I can't think of the name of it. I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't. I can't constantly. He said thoughts. it was my precious. My precious. <laughs> he was stroking that dog. Stroke what? He was stroking that dog. He was. He was That's petting that dog. I'll say pet. Is that better? Man, the point stroke is, man. The other meme I saw, he he was treating that dog better than he tr- ever treated any of his players. Everybody yeah. got treated worse than that dog. I'll exactly. say I did love that stroke. Is that Pomeranian? Is that what I'm thinking no. of? It was. <laughs> so this is where I want to go with quarterbacks, though, because the one item of news, like we haven't got to talk about this. I've gone through withdrawal because you jackasses, I've been able to sit down and have this conversation with you, Aaron effing Rodgers. What the hell is going on? And Mr. Brown, your Raiders are mentioned highly compatible. To our defense, we try to text you, but, you know, it's called the ghost No, we, mode. we've talked about these things. Ghost we, mode. Look, yeah. it's one thing to text. It's another thing to have these conversations. With, when uh, you're talking A-Rod, the two teams I hear him rumor to so heavily, heavily, I don't get it, are in the same division. The Broncos, Broncos and, and the Raiders. They are, right? So before that, though, so he's not going. To if the you're the Niners and you do all that to trade up and get Lance, like if you knew you could got you could have got Rodgers, and I guess the Rams tried to make a run at Rodgers and it didn't work out because uh, you didn't give us enough. And that was don't get me wrong, that was before all this became public. But it, it, they tried to go for the run after they had Stafford. No, before. Oh, okay. before. Gotcha. Before they did Stafford. All right. I'm about that, to say. That's why they settled on Stafford. All right. So, I mean, at least the they were smart enough to try. to get him. What is it? The Niners offered a ton to give him. They did. They were going to swap first rounds this year, give them their next two first round picks in like a second. Yeah, because the Niners know they'll and probably want to see roll with him. I mean, honestly, if they, I don't know if that salary cap works. But, all right, so you're down. Is it just the Broncos and Raiders? Is there anybody else? He, he's not there? going to the Raiders. No, I but, guess. I mean, those are the only two teams being mentioned, right? Yeah. Those are the only two I consistently hear. So, I mean, it, it, here's my question to you. Is it one of three things? Is Rodgers going to another team? Is Rodgers staying in Green Bay? Is Rodgers going to retire and go do Jeopardy? I think Rodgers ends up in the same situation Brett Favre did, where I guess he's not playing for us anymore. He's going to retire. Oh, that's okay. We'll trade him so we get something. He plays next year. He plays on a different team. And Rodgers is 37 years old. Tom Brady's 43. Maybe they can trade him for Russell Wilson. (laughs) They got some – your Raiders get him with Chucky. You guys will be in the playoffs at, you know, nine and eight. Why? You you don't want to sacrifice like one or two years for a potential Super Bowl? We don't have the pieces for Super Bowl. You you have no defense for the Super Bowl. That's true. Vegas – no, it ain't happening. All right, what about the Broncos? Broncos have a defense. They do. Uh, you know, it's not Peyton re- Manning 2.0. It's not. <laughs> Why not? Why can't it be? I just don't see it. I don't see it. If I were a Raiders fan after the first year with Chucky and Mayock where they did real well in the draft, or last year they weren't horrible. Um, this year after they were. this year, I'd be willing to give up all my first-round picks for Aaron Right. Rogers. I mean, no, but you saw what you got for him this year. Yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely. I agree. It's pure so you don't commodity. Think with what you have, if you got him, you can nah. at least get into the playoffs and make a run. You think you're the same team regardless of the I mean, the Packers. No, I didn't say we're good. the same team. Yeah, we make the playoffs, but you make a first-round exit. Who cares? What's the point? Yeah. 
Because you can sell some jerseys with that number 12. Oh, who cares about jerseys? <laughs> so, like, even if he goes to the Broncos, they have a good defense. But would you still really take Aaron Rodgers and the Broncos over Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs? No. Not after no, 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 no. But I would definitely take Aaron Rodgers over Drew Locke. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying, like – you're do- you're making that type of move with your sights on on the on the prize. I know, but if you're the Broncos, what else you got? No, you yeah, got- <laughs> yeah, that's bad. I mean, you really want John Elway drafting your next quarterback? Yeah, they got Teddy Bridgewater, baby. Yeah. I'd rather John Elway taking the snap. No, he took I mean, a step back. He doesn't run the draft the same. Now. Uh, all right, so you think you're Biggie? You're saying Rodgers is going to be traded? Yeah, I think right. he plays Mr. next Mr. Brown. Year where, where's Rodgers end up? Hmm. Mm. I'm going to say Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yeah. I'm saying he's staying with the Packers, and the reason why I say that is because – so we all have different opinions, which is great. This is this is the type this is the type of entertainment our audience craves. Right. But anyway, I'm saying he stays with the Packers because this is the same song and dance that Aaron Rodgers does every offseason. It's always something. He's always mad at a GM. He's always mad at the ownership. And then he shuts up and he plays. Well, you're probably right because someone just offered him a lifetime supply of cheese. <laughs> I will say they this. Did. You didn't see that? Yeah, I did. I'm not on the Aaron Rodgers doesn't have help bandwagon. You got a top five wide receiver, if not the best in the league, a top 10 running back, my a top five league. offensive line when he's healthy. He's got players around him. They just don't draft him in the first nah. round. Uh, yeah, what it all comes, let's be honest. It all comes down to drafting uh, Jordan Love. That's That was the, the – Yeah, that's the thing. That was it. That was the, the stick in the The call. Packers were ready for this, but they were ready for this in 2022. Yes. And so if you're the yeah, Packers, if you're the Packers, though, if you really believed in that direction, like, don't you just move on now? I would. I Dude, mean, you sell high. You just want MVP. Take all them picks for yeah, the Niners. Let me get six draft picks. For Why Aaron wouldn't Rogers. they have done that? Yeah. Take it now. I mean, you're going to wait a year. You're not going to get any of that. Your franchise going to go into the dumpster. Well, so then what does that say? Does that say that they've seen enough out of Jordan Love to say, mm, maybe made a mistake? Yeah. That's exactly what We just don't want to admit it yet. Yeah. I mean, if you know you have the next coming of Aaron Rodgers slash Brett Favre in there, then you know you're going to do what you got to do, but that's not what's happening. Is this in any way, shape, or form where the Packers are like a family, you know, the fans own the team? They have a general manager in the front office. But They're frugal. You don't have a Jerry Jones or a, you know, Bobby Kraft. Is that says, really what you want? What doing. I, I like how you throw Bob Kraft and Jerry Jones in the same conversation. Why not just mention Dan Snyder, too? Let's throw in L. Davis. Just, uh, the zombie Al Davis. Yes. <laughs> the greatness yes. of the Rangers. Just throw it deep. Rains. <laughs> uh, it's done. Uh, we'll see what happens, right? There's still a lot of time. So June 1st is like the uh, the deadline to yep. see what, what gets moved here. My favorite thing that happened in this draft is that the Raiders still love boys from West Virginia. I'll leave it at that. They do. Your Raiders do like Mountaineers. No, they got four Mountaineers on the defense now. That's it. That's like half their starting defense. Yeah. No wonder they suck. Exactly. Because, you know, the Big 12 is known for defense. No wonder they can't win the big game. <laughs> These are the same guys that Patrick Mahomes carved up back in the day. Sorry, uh, Stills. I know you're on my Facebook. I take it back. No, yeah. he's going to he, – you know what? He wasn't drafted. We didn't say he got drafted. That's by true. Him. He was free he agent signing. It's crazy he didn't get drafted, though. Yeah. That's all right. Most people listening are probably like, who are they talking about? Ah. He's going to be a third-round pick, fourth round at the latest, and then – He just fell off. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. 
right, we 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 can go all night because we miss each other. We just got sports to talk about. We're not even going to cover any more baseball, but I do want to ask you this because the NBA playoffs are about to start, and the two teams that are considered the favorites are the Los Angeles Lakers and the new – I'm sorry, not new. Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Nets. Are these guys, either of these teams, do they got a chance because they're both dealing with the same thing? They have chemistry issues. Everybody's hurt and injuries. not playing. Yeah. Are, are, are either of the two going to make it to the finals? I'm still on my nets as long as they're healthy in the playoffs. The three players they have fit together easily, more easily than what the Lakers When's have. Harden with, coming uh, back? Doesn't matter. Mr. Brown, I'm cutting you off right now. Biggie, would you like to make any type of bet that the Lakers and Nets both don't make the the finals? Both don't? Both I'm telling you, both are not making the finals. Oh, I'm taking one of the two. I'm taking the bet. What are we betting? Uh... Bottle of beam bottle versus of beam, uh, bottle of beam, and you can get me a, a twelve pack of something nice. Yeah, okay, all right. All right. So I like it better one with of the spicy ramen. I can't do the spicy ramen anymore. <laughs> hey, I'm growing some hot peppers. You are you? Yeah. Uh, we should make Biggie eat the spicy ramen. I probably die. Nah, I will. Oh, here's Mr. Brown. All right, so here's now. the thing: <laughs> the uh, the loser <laughs> buys the winner the home wrecker. The home record. You eat as much as you uh, can of it. Nah, I like the spicy ramen better because I've had to do that before. I ate half a home record. It's got this angry chicken on the package. <sighs> He's anyway. All right, so you guys are both saying at least one of them is going to make the. I problems? think one of them will. No, both of them are not. Who's coming out of East the Bucks? I, 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 it doesn't matter. It's All not right. going to be the Nets. One of the two will be in there. It's no. It can't. It's not both. They're 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 both. I I'm telling you right now, the Nets. And I think I think your high school adolescent son, Biggie, told us earlier that without James Harden, they're barely five hundred. True. And, and I'm just saying you can't. The playoff playoff games Dude, are Harden's different. Harden's just checking all the strip clubs in town. He'll he be might ready be. The playoffs he might around. be, but this ain't Houston, baby. You know he's got to get his head in the game. And the thing is, you know, playoff basketball is different. You might be five hundred when he's not playing in the regular season, but you can't. We we look. All I'm gonna say is LeBron. He should know better. He saw this happen in Miami when he went there. They thought they could just throw it together and they'd win. What happened? Mm-hmm. They didn't, did they? They lost. They won a couple. Here's the thing they with took, LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah. They're a half game ahead of Portland right now for the seventh spot. The seventh spot. You're telling me the guy that's competing for the six or seven spots going to win the There's West. There's a really good chance they I, play I didn't like the West. a I play-in like the Nets. game with the you're, you're uh, banging the Nets. Yes. I got you. With the Warriors. The uh, <sighs> Nets are making the finals though, so I'm good on that. Bet. The problem with the Nets, like I, 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 that's the one that scares me more than the Lakers. Lakers, I think, are are dumpster. West fire. is wide open. The East, I don't know. Like, are the Bucks going to get over the hump? You know, are the surging Knicks going to do something surprising? The Bucks are trending. Well, what about Philly? Here's the thing. What do, Doc Rivers you know what I like that. to we say. Know that. Exactly. Yeah. He's the best at taking what should be great. Right. Yeah. So I, That's I not looking. happening. The Bucks head coach is on the firing line. I just saw that report yesterday. If they don't make at least the conference finals, he's gone. So you know he feels the pressure. You know who doesn't feel the pressure? James Harden, because he lives and dies for the pressure. I'm I agree. I Kevin agree. Durant. I agree that there's there's more of an opportunity for the Nets. I'm with you there. 
But I think I don't think that the Lakers make it to the conference finals as they. I, I'm said. just on on May the sixth, May the seventh. Whenever you listen to this show, I'm telling you that neither the Lakers or the Nets make the finals. All right, boss. See Rollman, bring it on. I, I'll get my wheelbarrow so I can carry my balls around while you guys sit there and hide behind the facade of the ESPN talking heads and you just ride their picks. You know, why I go out on a limb and say something different. So thank you okay, for letting me so be give different. me uh, one team from each conference that's in the finals. Then um, you're so sure these two aren't making it. Tell me who is. I, I will go with the. Uh, I, I'm going to. I got two in the West. I don't know why, because they were hot in the bubble last year. Phoenix is somebody I'm keeping an eye on, and and Utah. Uh, Denver, I think without Jamal Murray, I, I don't think they can quite make You're it. You're smoking there. crack now. I was with you with Phoenix, and then you want Utah and Denver? No. No, no, no. Okay, I, I, no, I, no, no, no. You're not listening to me. I'm saying Denver is not one I'm taking because Jamal Murray oh, okay. is hurt. That's what I was saying. You know, they've went uh, like 11 and 2 since Jamal Murray went down. I, I know, but it's regular season. We'll see what happens because, that, you know, when you have a team that plays together a while, then they get the playoffs. That Oh, we'll see. Um, out of the East. Like, give me the bucks, man. Like, I mean, eventually they got to do it. Like, you can only go through the fire so many times. Like, you can't always lose in the second round. So the bucks are like the uh, Eagles in early 2000s. You can only make it to so many championship games before you finally make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, Andy Reid did make it to the Super Bowl in Philly, right? True. It's his time. (laughs) It's going to happen. What do you want me to take? The the freaking Hornets? No, as long as you don't take the Sixers, we're all right. You got to take the defending champs, the Heat. The Heat. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, the Heat are a fun team, but, uh, you know, that was a Miami Vice. That's I, I just can't do the jerseys. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, it's Vice City, baby. Mm-hmm. At least the San Andreas Clippers jerseys are a little better. No, it's bad. Uh, anyway, see, this is the stuff we miss. We don't get to talk every week, so we have to just condense all this stuff down. We didn't get to talk about, like, baseball ejections or who's hot and who's doing good and how you know the the tigers are the only team that sucks and everybody else is at least playing halfway decent right yeah you got anything you want to add on baseball to close out the show uh i don't want to go (laughs) homer mode but uh as of yesterday the two hottest teams in the bigs was the giants in the in the nl and the athletics in the AL. Yeah, so, so Bay, Battle of the Bay. Area love, man. Battle of the Bay, leading both leagues. I think the Cardinals took the giant spot in the NL, but you got the point. I, I just want people to know, if you haven't followed baseball, the Athletics started 0-6, and they're in first place. Yeah. So. Nice. Mr. Brown, who's the pitcher for the Braves who's showing up Shohei Otani? You know uh, He's home on my fantasy team. Two starts. I don't get credit for his yeah. offense on my fantasy he team. He had a home run, and then he had a grand slam. A grand slam. He, he secured his uh, last two victories on the mound with his own bat. I should count at least his two wins. Here's the crazy part, though. Ron Washington, the third base coach, he does a lot of drills in spring training. Uh, he was so bad hitting in spring training, he couldn't even hit soft toss. So he goes from not hitting soft <laughs> toss bad. to now he's hitting grand You're slams. You're good at what you do, man. I this is the it. first time the Braves have hit grand slams in back-to-back games since Eddie Perez and Ryan Kleska. Ryan Kleska, baby. Damn. That's how a we long get, time. We're going old school, and fellas. a pitcher now. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. It is fantastic. I, I mean, a lot can happen. Baseball's uh, still doing its thing, and Mike Trout is the last player sitting 400. Where's he at right now? Is he like 420 still? Something like that. I mean, he's up there pretty high. So. Otani's got nine home runs. 
He does. The, the, the Angels released Pujols today. They did. So where is Pudgels? A lot Is Pudgels going to have a farewell? Fair, blah, 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 blah. Is Pudgels going to have a farewell tour with the Cardinals? That's what I was curious. I, I was talking. Earlier. It'd be good to see. Just pluck him out. Put him out there every now and yeah. then for a pinch hit. No, he'd be a good bench bat for sure. Yeah. A bench I mean, bat. You're still playing occasional first carpenter base. over there. When I can't play Pujols. Yeah. Maybe that's what he needs, more garbage time hitting against the Reds. Maybe go back to MVP status. They, they got, got a Paul Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt at first base, though. So <laughs> yeah. They don't need pudgels. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to think interleague play. Maybe he could be the DH. Who knows? Could, I mean, you, you have a lot of interleague play now. Yeah, that's just still, I mean, still what, out there. Is he opposed to being like a Pablo Sandoval and just being the primary pinch hitter off the bench now? I mean, let's be honest. He, he is 48 years prideful. old. How yeah. much do you have left at 48? Yeah, yeah, he's like Julio Franco from back in the day, where he went from being like thirty-eight to forty-nine. He just needs to have that back elbow up when he swings. That'll help yeah. him out, like Julio used to do. So nobody they, can see what I'm doing. Yeah, I know nobody can see that. <laughs> the, the Angels got a lot of moving parts. You got the Yankees, who started out they had the worst record in baseball forever, but now they're a game over five hundred. The Yankees are waking up. They're stabilizing. The Yankees are waking up at the same time that the Dodgers. The Dodgers are two games over five hundred, and you know what? The the Padres have not taken advantage of this yet. They haven't taken advantage of it, but guess who has our. Boy, Zach Ford, San Francisco oh, the Giants. San Francisco yeah. Giants. Yeah. Amazing. First place. See? So, a lot, lot's happen. going on right now. It, it's crazy. I don't know if our listeners get that excited for baseball like we do. Yeah. They should. I feel yeah. like we could talk four hours of just baseball. We could. I know I could. We could just make it a baseball podcast for you idiots out there. Nah. We got to mix it up. Yeah, we do. Because we like all sports. That's the thing. Like, even though... It's, we know we don't know all sports equally. We'll we'll leave it at that. I think we've talked enough. You know what? We'll come back better prepared. And you know what? We may not have a great interview like Black Jack McDowell that takes up a, a large portion of the show. But you know, we'll, we'll have time to kind of reset. It was nice to get to know you guys again. It, it, it's it's it it's like it's like been forever. forever. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm just glad to be here. Is that fair enough? It's fair enough. Okay. So we'll come back next week. We'll have some fun. We're going to have a guest. I don't know who it is yet, but damn it, we're going to find somebody. We'll get somebody. And we're going to talk more sports. And we got we got baseball season in full swing. The NFL offseason is going to keep hitting up, hit, heating up. We have NBA playoffs on the horizon. And uh, I don't know. You want to talk about hockey, Biggie? Yeah, we're going to talk some hockey. Uh, you're forward. full of shit. <laughs> Dude, we all have beards. We must talk hockey. <sighs> He's going to talk about playoff beards again, mm-hmm. isn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Spoiler alert. I got Before you wrap system. up, Chad, I enjoy doing this. Good to be back with you fellas. Yeah, I miss you guys. We'll just leave it at that. So we'll be back next week. We'll do it again because nobody's getting COVID. We, we've already been through that. So anyway, this has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We appreciate you giving us a chance to enter your, your eardrums and all that good stuff. But make sure you follow us on social media. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you same time next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you then.